want to welcome those of you that are over in the venue. Praise the Lord for Jared and the team leading worship over there. If you're listening on the radio, we're glad that you're with us. If you're watching online, and we know we have lots of people literally all over the, the globe that watch online, and so we're grateful you're with us. Um, one, one quick thing here before we get into our message. I want everybody to pull out that little flyer. It says, uh, follow class on it, okay? A few times a year, we um, have what we call the follow class, and you can see that we've got uh, the follow class beginning uh, next Wednesday night. It'll begin uh, right here at Big Valley Grace, and it'll be on Sunday mornings. It's seven weeks long. We realize not everybody can come in the evenings, so we do a couple of them every year on Sunday mornings. And this is basically, um, for those of you that are maybe new in the Lord, maybe this last week or last month or this last year, you gave your life to Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, the Bible is a big book, and there's lots in it. God has lots to say about um, all kinds of different topics. And what we've done is boiled it down to kind of seven primary fundamental truths that we want you to know as new believers, and you ought to come. And at each of these, you will meet our pastors and get an interface with them. We get to meet you. Maybe, um, maybe you got away from the Lord, and uh, recently God brought you back. In other words, you've been a believer for a long time. This would be a great place to come and say, you know what, Lord, I, I just need to kind of reacquaint myself with some of the great truths of the scriptures. And so take advantage of it. You're free to invite some friends or whoever, and um, looking forward to, to, to seeing you uh, there. Well, we're beginning a, a brand new series here at Big Valley Grace, where we're going to look at two of the most interesting chapters, I think, in all of the Bible, Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And what makes these chapters so interesting is the fact that Jesus writes seven different letters to seven different churches. These were churches that were in, uh, in uh, the first century in Asia. And so he writes a letter to each of these churches. And they were kind of like um, progress reports, if you will. We were all in school, we've been in school, and um, maybe a couple times a year, the teacher would send home a progress report. And it was basically um, a tool that helped your mother, your father, your guardian, whoever that was, see how well you were doing in the classes that you were in. And um, that's kind of what these seven letters are. Their, their progress reports, they, they told the people of that particular church and the leaders of that particular church um, uh, some of the things that they were doing that weren't all that good, some of the things that Jesus wasn't all that pleased with. But they also told the people of that particular church, the leaders of that particular church, some of the things that, that Jesus was thrilled with, things that they were doing right, things that he was happy about. I have often told my staff that uh, I wonder what kind of letter Jesus would write to, to us or to me as the pastor of this church. And um, I think about that all the time, matter of fact. And I think that if um, Jesus were to uh, write a, a letter to me or to the elders to, or to us as a church, I, I think there would be a lot of things that Jesus would say, man, you're doing great. This is fantastic. This is really great. You're honoring me. You're lifting me up. You're, you're doing this well and, and all of that. I think we'd hear a lot of that. But I also know that there would probably be a few things that Jesus would say, hey, 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 this isn't so good. You know, well, why are you wasting your time here? Don't do that. Stay away from this. How'd you get goofed up in that? You know, we're, we're, we're human. The leaders of this church are, are human. No, nobody's perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. And so I often wonder in my mind, what would Jesus say to us? What would be the kinds of things that he would say to us uh, today? Here's my point. Jesus knows what's going on in his church. You may not be able to see him, but he can see you. And he knows what's happening in his church. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 1. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and he made the things that we cannot see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers, authorities of this unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. And then it says this, Jesus is also the head of his church, which is the body. Beloved, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the leader of the church. Big Valley Grace isn't my church. Big Valley Grace isn't the elders' church. Big Valley Grace isn't your church. Big Valley Grace is Jesus' church, and you and I are simply members of his church. Now, obviously, we all have different roles to play. Some play guitar, some play drums, some sing, some preach, some teach. We all have different roles that we play in the church, but it's Jesus' church. He knows what's going on in his church. We may not be able to see him, but he knows what's going on. And in these seven letters that he writes to these seven churches in the first century, they may have been written 2,000 years ago, but we can all learn something from them today. People really haven't changed all that much. I, I hear me preaching out there. <laughs> Isn't that embarrassing? Might want to turn that off. <laughs> I don't know. Lee, who would have known technology would have done things like that? I'm up here speaking, and then their cell phone thing, they're watching me live on TV. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta, there's always new things you got to deal with. You're always dealing with, 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 with new things. I, I, no, no, I just hope I look good. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, as I was saying, you know, people haven't changed much. He may have written these letters to these seven churches, and by the way, I've, I've just kind of named them these seven, these seven things. But people are, are people. In fact, I want you to know, in my, in my opinion, this first letter is going to knock the, the wind out of some of you. I think this first church reminds me a lot of Big Valley Grace. So let's read the first letter, the, the letter to the church at Ephesus. Revelations chapter 2, okay? If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, it's in the program. It'll be up on the, the jumbotrons and all that kind of stuff. Jesus said, write this to the angel of the church at Ephesus. And the angel of the church might be probably the pastor of that church, the, um, the leader of that church, the elder or elders of that church. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know what you do, how hard you work, and you never give up. I know you do not put up with false teachings of evil people. You have tested those that say that they're apostles, but really are not, and you found that they are liars. You have patience and have suffered troubles for my name, and you've not given up. But I have this against you. You have left the love you had in the beginning. So remember where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. If you do not change, I will come to you and I will take away your lampstand from its place. But there is something you do that is right. You hate the Nickelodeons uh, as much as I do. Every person who has ears should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, to, the one, uh, to those who win the victory, I will give the right to eat the fruit from the tree of life, which is in the garden of God. So here we have... Uh, this first letter or progress report, and, and Jesus has some good things to say to this church, and I'm gonna talk about that in a moment. But he also says this in verse four, which is kind of the key verse to this first church. He says, I have this against you. You have left the love you had in the beginning. One version says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other, as you didn't at first. 
Apparently there was a time when the people in this church had a deep love for Jesus. He was the the number one priority in their life. And they had a, a deep love for one another. But something changed. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 22. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, Jesus said, if you you could boil down the Bible into just a, a couple of thoughts, the greatest thing that you could do with your life is to love God, to love him with all of your mind, your soul, your strength. And the the second greatest thing you could do that's equally important is that somehow your love for God translates into a love for one another, that you care about one another. And this church at, at Ephesus, I think, had their priorities right at one time. They had a deep love for God. They had a deep love for one another, but but something happened. They had lost that love that they had had for God. They they lost that love that they had for each other. Something went wrong. Something went horribly wrong. If the greatest thing that you could do with your life is to love God, to love Jesus, and love others, and Jesus says, you've, you've kind of blown it. You've left that. Something's gone wrong in this church, this church at Ephesus. Something's gone horribly wrong. It wasn't that they didn't love Jesus at all, but somehow other things had taken over the, you know, the, the top spot in their lives. Somehow they, they lost their, their love for Jesus and for each other. And this might be true of some of you. In fact, I know it's true of some of you. You're here, and you may, have, you, know, you may have sung a song, and you may even put some money in the offering basket. You may have sang a song up here. You may have helped serve communion. You may have helped collect the, 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 the offering. You may have helped somebody grab a seat. Maybe you lead a small group. But something's happened in your life. And you know it. Your spouse knows it. Your children know it. Your parents know it. It's not that you don't love Jesus. But it's just something's gone wrong. Something else is kind of in that top spot, if you will, in in your life. And everybody sees it. Now what I want to do is, is this. Because any one of us can can lose our first love. I have. I've been at this church for 30 years. I'm human. I have my flesh I have to deal with. I've got my carnal nature I have to deal with. My my humanity I have to deal with. And I would just be lying to you if I said, oh man, for 30 years, wow. God has been in the top spot, man. That would be a lie. I've loved Jesus for for 30 years. But there have been these moments when something happened and something else kind of snuck its way into that top spot. It can happen to any of us. So so what I want to do is this. Over the next two weeks, Lord willing, I want to look at some of the ways that you and I can make sure that Jesus stays number one in our lives. I want to look at some ways that we can better help Jesus stay in the spot he's supposed to be in. Ways that we can keep him, number one, or ways that you know, we don't allow other things to, to creep into uh, that number one spot. So, so number one is, is, is this, okay? And I'm gonna spend a lot of time on this. You, you, you keep Jesus number one in your life when you keep listening to him. When you keep listening to him. Verse one I want us to look at again, says this. 
Jesus says, I, I want you to write this to the angel, you know, the, the pastor, the elder of the church at Ephesus. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands, that's Jesus, says this. Says this. I want you to underline those two words. Says this. Beloved, Jesus has something to say. And more specifically, Jesus has something to say to you. He created you when you were in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows the circumstances of your life. He knows how old you are. He knows how young you are. He knows whether you're married. He knows all that kind of stuff. And he has something to say. And if you want to keep Jesus number one in your life, you've got to develop an, uh, an ear for his voice. Because there's all kinds of people saying all kinds of stuff out there. It's blaring through your radios. It's coming through your TV stations. There's all kinds of voices out there that are speaking to you. And one of them, in the midst of all of it, is Jesus. And if you want to keep Jesus number one in your life, you want to make sure he doesn't you know, slide down to two, three, four, whatever that might be, you've got to develop an ear for his voice. Got to actually set aside some time each day to, to hear his voice. To hear what he has to say to you. Because if you don't, the chances are, are pretty good that you'll lose your first love for Jesus. You'll, you'll lose that love for, for your fellow believers and the, the lost. Now today, the, the primary way that Jesus speaks to people is, is through his word, right? The, the Bible. Which is why just about everything we do around here. A Big Valley Grace kind of revolves around the Bible. Our, all of our children's classes revolve around the Bible. Our youth classes revolve around the Bible. Celebrate Recovery revolves around the Bible. Our men's ministry, our women's ministries revolve around the Bible. All the songs we sing revolve around the Bible. We give you a daily meditation page. Revolves around the, the, the Bible. Beloved, Jesus said that one of the greatest characteristics of one of his followers is that they listen to him. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep, listen to my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. In other words, the listening has moved them into action. Jesus said that his sheep, his followers, one of the, the characteristics is they listen. And they listen with the intent of actually doing what they hear. There was a, a, a moment when Peter, James, and John went with Jesus to the top of this mountain. And when they got there, God the, the Father, you know, looks down from heaven and he actually spoke, the Father actually spoke to these three guys. And here's what God the Father said to these three guys. He said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me Great joy. Listen to him. Two fantastic things that the father does. The father says, man, I'm, I love my son. He, my son brings me great joy, guys. Listen to him. There's going to be all kinds of voices out there that are going to pull you this way and they're going to pull you that way and they're going to, they're going to want you to do this and they're going to want you to do that. Hey, hey, listen to him. He's the one that you want to make sure you're listening 
2. James, our brother, said this in James chapter 1. He said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I want you to know that in its context, James isn't talking about being quick to listen to your spouse or being quick to listen to your friends or being quick to listen to your children or whatever. There's certainly some application to that here. But in its context, James is talking about being quick to listen for the voice of God. If you're going through some difficult time, you need to be quick to listen for God's voice. If you're, if you're in need of God's wisdom, you need to be quick to listen to God's voice. If you're trying to overcome some temptation, you need to be quick to listen for God's voice. You need to hear from God, which means you need to be quick to listen. When things are happening in your life, you need to hear from God. Now, here's the interesting thing. Today in America, Bibles are everywhere. You can find them in the grocery stores, bookstores, motel rooms, and they're everywhere. They come in all sizes, shapes, translations, versions, leather-bound, paperback, you know, you name it. Every year the Bible outsells every other bestseller. Last year, I think, over 500 million Bibles were published in the world in over about 18,000 different languages. In America, we're glutted with the Word of God, um, on the airways and the radio, TV, you know, magazine, uh, books, uh, uh, apps, our smartphones, it's everywhere. Yet millions of people who claim to know the Lord rarely even open it. They're not quick to listen. In fact, I go as far as to say they're slow to listen. That's probably true of some of you. you. You came in here with a Bible. On your smartphone, there's a Bible. You just downloaded an app that's got a Bible reading on it. You got three Bibles at home. But you're not quick to listen. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter four, man, mankind, man, woman, we don't live on bread alone. Oh, you gotta have some bread to keep this physical body alive, right? But human beings live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Bible is our food, it's our, our spiritual food and we need to be quick to listen to what God has to say. Psalms 19, this is just beautiful, says this. The teachings of the Lord are perfect. They give new strength. The rules of the Lord can be trusted. They make plain people wise. The orders of the Lord are right. They make people happy. The commands of the Lord are pure. They light up the way. Beloved, the Bible gives us strength, it makes us wise, it makes us happy, it lights our path, which means we ought to be quick to listen to it. I know some people that are more faithful, they're quick to listen to Dr. Phil, they're quick to listen to Oprah, or quick to listen to Rush, or Hannity, or Ann Landers, they're quick to listen to the sports page, than they are to God's word. And that's just wrong, it's just sinful. I don't care, listen to anybody you want to read, uh, you know, listen to, read the sports page. I read the sports page, I'm evil in that. But I know some people who, <laughs> on a certain time of the day, man, there's somebody on the television set, they, they, they wouldn't miss watching that guy or that gal. There's a, man, there's a chunk of time on the radio, man, they've set aside time to hear that voice. You ask them about, their time with the Lord, ah, well, you know, uh, yeah, I try to get about five minutes in the morning before I. Now, James, he went on and said this. 
You got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And once again, in its context, he's talking about the word of God here. Now, what does that mean? Beloved, when you hear the word of God preached, when you read the word of God, when you hear the voice of God, when you're quick to listen, it's an attack on your flesh and it'll make you angry. You can't read the word of God. You can't hear the voice of God. You can't sit through a Bible study or through a message like this and not have your flesh get all wrangled up. The Holy Spirit within you is loving it. The, the Spirit within you is taking it all in, all the words that, from the scriptures and the times that you hear and messages. Remember, it's spiritual nourishment, but your flesh hates it. Your flesh hates God. It hates God's word. It hates it when you read the word. It hates it when you study the word. It hates it when you hear the word preached. It hates it when you listen to the, the voice of Jesus. So there's this huge conflict that happens within your soul at times. And when that happens, there's always the temptation to let your flesh get the better of you. And when your flesh gets the better of you, you're in trouble. You'll get angry. You get angry at the preacher. You'll get angry at the church. You'll get angry with Jesus. You get angry with, you know, at the Bible. You get angry with God. You'll get angry with Jesus, right? For some of you, every time we have this moment of joy, whoo! It's all like one is our money. And your flesh just gets all messed up. I didn't come up with that. God's word says we're to give. We give you the opportunity. But for some of you, man, whoa, it makes you angry. Your flesh doesn't like anything that God wants. And so in its context, James says, hey, everybody, you be quick to listen to the voice of God. Be slow to speak about God. You be careful when you start talking about God that you don't misrepresent him. So you're quick to listen to God, you're slow to speak about God, and then you gotta be very careful that you don't get angry because when you hear the words of God, whew, there's this incredible war that goes on between your flesh and the spirit. So as you read the, the word or hear the word taught or whatever, as you're listening to the, the voice of Jesus, you gotta be alert to your flesh because it can cause you to reject what Jesus is saying to you. And nothing will, will cause you to lose your love for Jesus quicker than rejecting some part of God's word. And in our culture today, there are some things that God has to say that aren't, culturally acceptable right now. And so it's just easier to go, well, I like everything in the word but that. And so what you do is you reject a piece of it. Makes your flesh feel good. But that's just a slippery slope to all of a sudden Jesus really isn't number one in your life anymore. God said this through the great prophet Jeremiah. But my people have not listened to me. In fact, they haven't even tried to hear me. They have been stubborn and sinful, even worse than their ancestors. And let me just tell you something, beloved. When you stop listening to the voice of Jesus, you end up in a crummy place. Our country has stopped listening to the voice of God. Now listen, at least those that are in influential places. God says in Romans chapter 13, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. God says don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity and immoral living, and for those of you that are single, are you listening? 
You, you don't need a commentary. You don't need some preacher to tell you what God just said. Are you listening? God says sex is only to be enjoyed between a man and a woman who are married. And when you listen to him, it's a beautiful thing. But if you don't listen to him, you blow God off and engage in, you know, sexual activity outside of marriage, it usually ends up in a crummy way. Listen, when you give away your body sexually to somebody that you're not married to, it just messes you up. Causes all kinds of pain and sorrow, especially when you break up. It often brings with it diseases, in some cases incurable diseases. There's unwanted pregnancy, self-worth, self-esteem goes right out the window. There's embarrassment and shame. God says in Hebrews chapter 13, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to, the, to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those that commit adultery. For those of you that are married, are you listening? Are you? It seems like most believers aren't. They're not listening. The divorce rate in the church is just unbelievably high, just as high as it is with those who don't believe in God. Marriage is an important thing. Being faithful to your spouse is a serious thing to God, and when you listen to him and you keep your vows, he blesses your life, he blesses your family. But if you don't listen to him, you blow God off and you commit adultery, it just ends in, in crummy ways. You destroy your family, you destroy your own you know, reputation, you lose the respect of your kids, your family, or whatever. And I'm not trying to poke anybody's eye out here. This is a church that believes in, in forgiveness and redemption and all that. We believe in all that. But the reality is, is that when you don't listen to God, it comes with crummy consequences. Anyway, here's the bottom line. Listening to God is important. Now, let me give you a couple ways that you can maybe better develop an ear for the, for the voice of Jesus. Number one, you have to set aside time to listen to the voice of Jesus. Now, it's sad, and I gotta I got say that, <laughs> but I, I do. You're, you're never gonna develop an ear for the voice of God if you, if you don't set aside time to hear from God. You know, you can get so busy, I can get so busy and you know, all the stuff that, man, we just don't have a, a sacred time that we just set aside for, for hearing the voice of the Lord. My, um, while we were gone on vacation, every day uh, my wife would go out to this beautiful little spot and it was on a beach and she'd spend, she's out there a long time and she would have her Bible, she'd have a notepad and a little thing. And I would, I would look down the, the deal, and there she would be, praying, listening, reading, writing. Got home, and, and um, it was a, a Friday. Uh, I, I, I heard our dog barking in the backyard. So I got up, and it was like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, my neighbors, in fact, they sat right down here, and I apologized to them last night, my neighbors. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. I wake up and I look around and I go, oh man, the dogs are in the backyard. They're waking everybody up. And I go running out there and I open the door and I'm ready to just go ballistic. And there's my wife sitting in her chair. Got her Bible. Got her paper and pencil. She's in the Word. And I'm ready to blow a gasket. And I shut the door thinking, I ought to be doing that. I was doing that, I wouldn't be all goofed up like I am right now. Do you have a time? Have you set aside a special time to hear from the voice of the Lord? The, the second thing is you have to find a quiet place. And for some of you, I know you're, you're taking care of your kids, you're working, it's hard to find a quiet place in your home. And every spouse ought to be committed to, you know, look, if you get home and, I don't know, it's your wife or your husband been watching the kids all day long and they go, look, all I have heard is the voice of my screaming kids. I need to go hear the voice of Jesus. 
You know, just get in your car, just drive around the corner and, and just sit in your car. I know for, it can be hard to find a quiet place, hard to hear the voice of the Lord when they're screaming and yelling and something's happening in your home and some of you can't do it on your, the job site or whatever. Just get in your car, drive around the corner. And just have this sacred space, if you will. Now, what these, thing, these two things do is they, they help create space for you to hear from Jesus. Someone once said that the, the space bar on your computer is the most important, important key that, that's on there. Because without the space bar, there's no way to separate out all the letters. Let, let, me, let me show you something up here. Huh, what does that say? Well, let me hit the space bar for you, boom. Here's what it says. When you hit the space bar, it creates space between the words so that you can make sense of what's been written. And the same thing is true in your life. When you create space for Jesus, he helps you make sense of life. You see, for too many of you, your world and your life is so crammed together, there's no space, and so it's hard to decipher what's going on. And you gotta, you gotta hit the space bar of your life, so to speak, to create some space so Jesus can talk to you. Matthew chapter 11 says this. Oh, huh? Some of you don't even know. You, you, what? Well, let me hit the space bar for you. Here's what it says. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. You see, here's the voice of God, but you haven't created any space. You haven't hit the space bar. And so for some of you, you don't even know these beautiful things that Jesus has for you, these beautiful thoughts that Jesus has for you, this beautiful invitation to come. But when you create some space, oh, it makes sense. You can see it. And some of you need to, need to do that. So, so, so the first step to keeping your love for Jesus alive and well is to continue to, to listen to his voice. Number two, and as I said, Lord willing, we're gonna look at the other two next week, but number two, you keep Jesus number one in your life when you don't hide behind a busy Christian life. Verse two, Jesus says to this church at Ephesus, I know what you do how you work hard and you never give up. I know you don't put up with false teachings of evil people. You, you've tested those who say they're apostles but really aren't. You found them to be liars. You have patience and have suffered troubles for my name and you haven't given up. Now, here's the interesting thing to me. This was a group of people who were really active doing good things. Number one, they were servants, right? Jesus says, I know what you do. These were, these were servants. Number two, they were sacrificing. Jesus says, I know what you do and how hard you work. Not only were they servants, they were hardworking servants. Number three, they were steadfast. Jesus says, I know what you do, how hard you work, and that you never give up. These, these were people that didn't give up easy. Number four, they were separated. Jesus said, I, I know you, you don't put up with false teachings of evil people. These were folks that knew the word. They didn't put up with you know, false teachers, false doctrines. And number five, they were suffering. Jesus says, you, you, you've been patient and have suffered troubles for my name and haven't given up. These were people that had gone through some difficult times. This was an active church. This was a church that was doing all kinds of good things. They were doing holy things. They were doing righteous things. And as I said, this church reminds me a lot of you. Yet all this activity didn't keep them from losing their love for Jesus. Back to verse four. But I have this against you. You have left the love you had in the beginning. Beloved, all these activities that the people in this church were doing were, were basic, 
weekly external things. They were good things, they were holy things, they were righteous things, but they were basically external things. They were committed to serving Jesus Christ, they were committed to the retraction of evil, they were committed to sharing their faith, they didn't give up when things got hard. These are good things, every church needs to be doing these things. We're a church that's committed to these things. It's unbelievable the number of people that serve here on the weekends or someplace in our community, like the Vine House or the Gospel Mission or the Modesto Pregnancy Center. Youth for Christ, it's unbelievable the amount of people that serve here. Children's ministries, greeters, ushers, communion servers, musicians, singers, teachers, small group leaders, cooks, gardeners. These are all good things. And if you're not involved in ministry, you need to be. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter four, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Paul said in Galatians chapter five, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. Beloved, God wants you to be active in holy things, righteous things. God wants you to serve, but you have to be careful because somehow, as we see in this church, they were doing all the right things but they had lost their love for Jesus. And I think this is one of the, the great lessons of this church at Ephesus. You have to be careful. Look, uh, I, I talked with my staff about this over the last few weeks. And those of you that oversee ministries here, are involved in ministries, just because somebody's doing all these things doesn't mean that everything's okay. And one of the great ways that we can love one another and care about one another is, yeah, I'm glad to see people serving. But Jesus said that the greatest thing you can do in your life is to love him, to love others. Not, not serve. Serving's good. Not being blasphemous. This was a church that served. But Jesus said, I got this against you. In the midst of all your busy activities, you've lost your love. And if you don't get that back, there's gonna be trouble, Jesus says. There'll be trouble. Listen, busyness is not a substitute for in intimacy with Christ. The church at Ephesus was a powerful church for 30 plus years that had a significant impact in their community. However, Jesus looks down and he sees the busyness of this church and says, if you don't slow down and hear my voice, you're gonna shipwreck your faith. It's not gonna end well. So the question I have for you is this, have you lost your focus? Have you lost the, 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 the greatest thing that you can do? It's just to love, be in love with Jesus? Have you become so busy doing good things that you, you've just somehow allowed Jesus maybe to slip down here? Are you going through the motions, serving Christ without really loving Christ? There's an old saying that goes like this, the good becomes the enemy of the very best. You know, um, if all we had to do as Christians was choose between what's good and what's evil, that'd be easy, right? I mean, if you've got a half a cell working in your brain, you can choose between what's good and what's evil. That's, that, that's easy. And Satan's way smarter than, than, than to put those two choices, good and evil, in front of you. So what he does is, he puts all these good things out there, holy things, righteous things. Man, if he can get you busy doing things for God, and you're not in love with him, in love with his people that he died for. It's a win for him. And that's what has happened in the church at Ephesus. The good had become the enemy of the very best. If Jesus were here, he wouldn't say, hey, listen, quit serving, don't, don't use your gifts and talents and abilities and all that, he wouldn't tell you that. But what he would tell you is, be careful. Don't think that all your busyness equates to love. 
love for me. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus comes to the house of Martha and Mary, and it says this in verse 38, Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here, you know, listening to you while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Get her busy. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and you're upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. Listening. And it's not going to be taken away from her. And this is a story most of us are pretty familiar with. You know, what Martha was doing was a good thing. She's got the roast in the oven, and she's, you know, got the iced tea going, and she's got the table set, and she's vacuuming. I mean, Jesus is coming over. Ladies, guys, if Jesus was coming over, you'd probably pull out the best recipe, right? Probably want to get the house clean. You'd want to make sure everything was just right. And on some plane, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) When we have people over to our home, you know, this is the night our small group meets. (sighs) You know, my wife goes ballistic. Everything, man. Perfect. And on some level, I'm glad. I mean, that's one of the ways we honor our guests. We want things to be right, prepared. We serve a God of order. I want there to be order in my home. I want there to be order in my small group. You know, when I was a kid, my my mom would she she was really. This is back in the day when when you'd vacuum the rug and then you'd rake it. Some of you remember that. I'm not kidding. The young people are going what? I'm you would rake the the carpet. And and we'd have people coming over and I'd be like. Six or seven. And my mom, you know, I have to go to the bathroom. The only way to get there is I had to walk down the hallway. So I'd start walking down the hallway. Ricky, what are you doing? Uh, I'm going to the bathroom. Don't walk on the carpet. And so I'd jump onto the banister. And I'd and she, what are you doing? Well, I got to go to the bathroom and I can't walk on the carpet. I got to get there somehow. Go, go in the backyard. <laughs> and I thought, I had a cool mom. Okay. Uh, it's weird. You couldn't touch anything. I remember one time, and my wife will be here next hour. I was saying, you know, you know, you, you clean the, the, the toilets, and then when they're clean, there's that blue stuff in there. And when you when you see the blue stuff, you go, whoa, it's clean. And the blue stuff does stuff. It, I don't know, it's got little scrubbing bubbles. It's scrubbing, it's doing stuff, it's cleaning. And my wife just hates it when she gets it all clean. And then I go in there and go to the bathroom. Because as soon as you hit the flesh, it's gone. And she'll go, did you just flush the toilet? Well, yeah. Well, I get the blue stuff's in there. I just put it in there two minutes ago. Well, I didn't know. At some moment, you got to fly. One second. <laughs> as I read this story here, you know, bless Martha's soul. I know, I just know that this, she was just convinced that Mary was just going to get kidney punched by Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I'm doing all this serving for you. I'm doing all this work for you. It's unfair that someone is just listening to you, sitting there doing nothing. And I'm sure she was just waiting. Well, this is going to be good. And Jesus says, Martha, you've you've got things a little backwards. Serving's okay, but right now, she's got the better gig. She's just listening to whatever comes out of my mouth. So Martha, 
Take the roast out of the oven. Forget about the iced tea. I don't care about the carpet. Sit down. Quit doing stuff for me. And just listen to me. Just listen. Next week, if God doesn't come back, you know, we'll, we'll look at a couple of other things as we walk through this first church, the busy church. And my prayer has been for all of you, my staff, my own life. Uh, I've done this long enough here at this church. I, in the publications that I get, I see um, what happens to a lot of pastors and ministers, whether they're senior pastors or youth pastors or music pastors and A lot of them, a lot of them get their lives messed up. Even though they're doing great things, you know, man, they're preaching the word and they're leading singing and they're doing all these great things for God and yet, wow, something went haywire in their life. Their love for Jesus somehow went out the window, that first love. And so I hope that these first two things that we've talked about just um, always being ready to listen, finding that space to listen to Jesus, not do anything. And being careful that you don't look at your busy Christian life and all the activities you do and somehow think that that's all you need to do. And we all ought to be watching after each other. Because all of us know people who were serving the Lord at one time or another in this church. And they were an usher, they were a greeter, a small group leader, they sang in the choir, they played guitar, whatever it is, and, and then all of a sudden, gone. And they're no longer walking with the Lord. And that's because we looked at their activity and made an assumption about their love for God. And let's not do that. We're family here. Let's care about each other. Let's ask each other, how, how, how are we all doing in, in this area? I want you all to stand over in the venue. Why don't you stand? Pastor Scott's going to come up and pray over there. Pastor Bobby, come on up. And, and uh, why don't you close your eyes? If you're here and you'd like for one of our spiritual leaders to pray for you, the altar room is open. Some of them are there to love you, care for you. Maybe your first love has kind of waned a little bit. Let us pray for you. Let us love you and care about you. Bobby, would you, would you pray?